Ecclesiastes, and we've been walking through the book. Uh, basically, it's, it's written by Solomon. He wrote Song of Solomon early in his life, Proverbs in the middle of his life, and Ecclesiastes at the end of his life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, he wrestles with the question of, what is life all about? And he basically comes to this conclusion, and you're going to see this at the end of the book, but he spends 12 chapters getting there, and touches on it all the way along the way, is if you try to look at life on this planet apart from God, it's meaningless. You cannot make meaning from life if, it's, if this is all there is. And so Solomon, over and over again in the book, talks about life under the sun or life on this planet and how it works. And we're going to look at that this morning again. Uh, bring you up to date, you know, we've talked about a number of things. And in the last couple of weeks, we've talked about two great paradoxes. And in chapter 6, he talks about the paradox that, uh, ed, uh, that prosperity is not always a good thing. And it reminds us that, you know, that's, we think it is, but it's not always a good thing for us. And then he talks about the idea of adversity in chapter 7, that adversity is not always a bad thing. And we talked about that last week, that, that, you know, look, difficult times are not, it's not always a bad thing for us. And if we were honest with ourselves, we've learned more in times of adversity than we have in times of prosperity. And so Solomon reminds us that. Now we're going to come this morning to chapter 8, and he's going to talk about relationships, and then he's going to talk a little bit about wisdom and then government. And, and so we've got to catch up the last part of chapter 7 and then jump into 8. So uh, let's start, and uh, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you what it doesn't say, and then we're going to talk about what it really does say, because this is a very misunderstood portion of Scripture. So uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and here's what he says, I have tested all this by wisdom. I resolved I'll be wise, but it was beyond me. What exists is beyond reach and very deep. Who can discover it? I turned my thoughts to know, explore, to seek wisdom and have an explanation for things and to know that wickedness is stupidity and folly is madness. He says, you know what, here's what I did. I'm, I'm just going to take this, this tour, this study here, and I'm going to try to figure out and understand people and why they do what they do. And so he goes on, he said, and I find bitter, and I find more bitter than death the woman who is a trap. Her heart a net, and her hands chains. Yeah, go Solomon. You know. By the way, don't forget, this is the guy with with uh, seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. Keep that in mind. Okay. The one who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner will be captured by her. And if that's not bad enough, he keeps going. All right? So going on. Uh, what does he say next? Look, says the teacher, this I have discovered. By adding one thing to another to find out the explanation, which my soul continually searches for but does not find. Among a thousand people, I have found one true man. But among all of these, I have not found a true woman. Only see this, I've discovered that God made people upright, but they pursued many schemes. Now, <sighs> this is when you go verse by verse. If you ever want to skip stuff, these are the passages you love to skip. So let's, uh, let's be honest, though. Let's talk about it. Let's understand what he's saying and what he's not saying, okay? Here's how some people in terms of he's, he's bashing women, okay? He's really not doing that. I'll explain why in a minute. Some people have said where he has this passage about um, among a thousand I found one true man that he's actually encouraging homosexuality. It's like, okay, forget the women, go after the guys. Um, that's not what he's saying either, 
Okay? Um, here, here's, again, step back into Solomon's world. Okay? Because I think there's a great lesson here. In Solomon's world, he has assembled around him beautiful women. Now, question. Are they there for their minds? No. No. No, they are not. Does Solomon know what a great woman is? Yes. You know why? Because he wrote Proverbs chapter 8 and Proverbs 31 about the virtuous woman. So he knows what a godly woman looks like. But what he's saying is, I haven't found it. And to prove his point, he says, but you know what? I can find a deep, remain, re, re, uh, satisfying relationship with another guy. Because why? Because that's not based on physical. But see, when he looked at these women, he was looking at women as objects. And as he looked at them as objects, Solomon's going, you know, I just can't find a good one here. But when he's looking at guys for a friendship, for a deep relationship, like a Jonathan-David kind of relationship, he goes, you know, I can find, he said, they're hard to find, and guys, you know as well as I do, to find another guy that you can have, that you can kind of share life with and, and talk to and be honest with and open with and, and things like that, and, and, you know, that's rare. Guys, we tend to talk about, we tend to talk about things, you know, a lot of guys don't get together and go, okay, let's just, let's just share our emotions. You know, that's not a guy thing. But put us in a room and let us talk fishing stories or car stories or hunting stories or whatever else. We can go for hours, okay? Why? Because we don't get at that deep level with stuff. We're, we're, we're superficial, okay? Uh, we just don't like to go, go down in the layer thing. You know, I, I was fortunate in that I, I understand what he's saying when, 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 he when he talks about how rare it is to find someone like that. Because I had someone like that in my life for a long time. And so I, I understand the value of what he's saying, okay? But the, the lesson here, I think, from, from Solomon here is you have to understand that Solomon's view of the world and Solomon's view of women was his objects. And so Solomon could not find that virtuous woman that he talked about in Proverbs 31 or that godly woman he talks about in Proverbs 8. Because you know what? That's not what he was pursuing. And I think there's an important lesson here. Is that, and here's the lesson. You have to be very careful what road you start down. Because the road you start down often, and we talked about this in Sunday school, your beliefs determine your decisions and your decisions determine your outcomes. And Solomon's belief here was, I will find satisfaction in a physical relationship. But what he really wanted, and here's the thing that, that, that I would say, he didn't, he didn't want a physical relationship. What he really wanted was intimacy. But he couldn't find intimacy because his belief system said it started with a physical relationship. And so it was flawed. So his conclusion, his outcome about about women was incredibly flawed. Why? Because he was looking for the wrong thing. And here's the lesson that I would say for us. You have to be very careful what road you start down. Because that road that you start down will impact your decisions, which will then determine your outcome. And I think it is so important for us to understand that. You know, I deal with college, you know, 
College students, after they get out of college, here's, the, here's, here's my observation. You get them one-on-one, -on -one, you start talking to them, and they're like, you know, oh, you know, I don't know if I'll ever get married, you know. There's nobody out there that, that, that's what I'm looking for. And, you know, and I go, okay, how old are you? Well, 25, and my life is over. And, you know, I'm never going to find anybody. And, and, and they start down that track. And then here's what happens. They start settling. Why? Because their belief system says, my life's over at 25 if I'm not married. And, 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 and what I hear them say are things like this. They say, you know, I just can't find a good guy. I just can't find a good girl. And I, ask, I always ask this question. So, tell me, where are you looking? Well, you know, we go clubbing, and, and we go to the bars, and they're just not there. Now, I'm not saying there's no Christian people at a bar or there's no Christian people at a club, but I'll tell you this. It, it starts windowing down very quickly on how many Christians are there. And, and, and so I have to step back and say, you know what, here's, here's a crazy suggestion. Why don't you get into an environment where they're the majority? And I think you will find that there are Christian people there. There are those kinds of people that you're looking for. The problem is you're down the wrong road. You're looking in the wrong places. And I see this so often. This is what Solomon deal. Solomon's conclusion is based on a belief system that was skewed way back here because he saw relationships as primary physical. So all of a sudden, he, go, he looks at women and he goes, forget that. They're just, they're like chains, man. You get involved with one of them and they'll like bind you up and, and ruin your life and they're just horrible. But you know what? I can find some cool guys over here to hang with. Yeah, because it's not physical with them. You're, you're, it's completely different. And, and that's what I would say. I would say one of the lessons here, as crazy as this passage is, is this idea of, look, Look at the road you're, you're, you're starting down, because that's going to help determine where you're going to end up. And that's what Solomon does here, so his conclusion is all off. By the way, this is one of the wisest guys on the planet. But again, he started down a wrong road, so he ends up with that conclusion. Then he comes to chapter 8, and listen to this. This is kind of like a, a, an island in the whole section between chapter 7 and 8, and, and here's what he says, chapter 8, he says, Who's like the wise person, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A man's wisdom brightens his face, and the sternness of his face is challenged. Here's what he says. He, in this kind of parenthesis, he says, look, wisdom is this great thing. And, and, and if you can get wisdom, it will make you unique. It will give you insight. It will change your life. It will change your countenance. Because why? Because wisdom will keep you from making a lot of mistakes that the average person makes. And so Solomon goes, look, be wise about stuff. You know, now look, by the way, remember this. Knowledge and wisdom are two different things. I know a lot of people who are really smart, but that doesn't mean they're wise. And I know a lot of wise people that honestly, um, I, I, I wouldn't want them to balance my checkbook, okay? Because um, there's just some things they're not good with. But they're incredibly wise about other things, you know? So there's a difference. And Solomon says, look, pursue wisdom. Actually, one passage that says, you know, look, wisdom's the principal thing. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. Learn how to differentiate between what's important and what's not, what's valuable and what's not. Understand that. And then he's going to jump into this whole politic thing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about politics this morning. I know you're like me. You don't want to hear any more about politics, but we're going to talk about what the Bible says about government in a minute. 
But let me give you a little parenthesis here real quick. We have a problem here as Protestant evangelical Christians. Okay? Let me explain this to you. Okay? Here, here's, here's the dilemma that we're up against. Um, we are taught to, Romans chapter 13, this passage, other passages, we are taught to honor those in authority and respect authority above us. We're in a society and culture which has no respect for authority. Okay? And some of this we brought on ourselves. Okay? When we started telling our children not to call us mom and dad, but instead to call us by our first name, we went down a road. Okay? We went down a road. When we decided we wanted to be their friends instead of their parents, we went down a road that, that gets that. When we started allowing authority to be abused and not dealt with in our culture, in our society, we created a society and a culture in which there's not a lot of respect for authority. The authority is looked at in a negative thing. Now, you add to that our background and our DNA as believers. The Protestant Reformation came as a rebellion against the Roman Catholic Church. So when Martin Luther posted those 95 Theses on the door, let me tell you something. That was a rebellious act that, transferred the, that transformed the church. That's in our DNA. We live in the United States of America. We were birthed out of a rebellion against England who said, you're going to do it this way, and our country said, no, 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 we're going to do it differently. So we naturally come into this thing with this fight, with this rebellion against authority. It's, it's, it's in who we are today, okay? So I understand the rub, right? I get that. But we're about doing what, what's biblical, not what's cultural. So Solomon addresses it. Again, Solomon's the king. So you've got to understand, he's got a bias here, but this is the word of God, so notice what it says. Uh, going on. Uh, verse 2, he said, keep the king's command concerning an oath by God. In other words, look at what the king says in the same way that you look at an oath to God. Don't be in a hurry, leave his presence, and don't persist in a bad cause, since he will do whatever he wants. He's talking about the, the king. For the king's word is authoritative. And who can say to him, what are you doing? The one who keeps the command will not experience anything har harmful, and a wise heart knows the right time and procedure. For every activity, there's a right time and procedure, even though a man's troubles are heavy on him. He goes on, and here's what he says. Uh, next verse, guys. Yet no one knows what will happen, because who can tell him what will happen? No one has the authority over the wind to restrain it. There's no authority over the day of death. There's no furlough in battle, and wickedness will not escape to those who practice it to escape. So Solomon now goes into this thing about the government thing, and basically here's what he says. He says, look, you've got a responsibility to obey your government. We have that responsibility. Whether you like it or not, we have a responsibility to obey our government. We have a responsibility to pay our taxes. We have a responsibility to do the things the government asks of us to do. One of the reasons is because our government is a God-given authority over us. Romans chapter 13 is very, very clear. The heart of the king is in the hand of God. Look, you can, you can worry all you want about the election. But I'm going to tell you right now, God already knows who's going to be in place, and he's the one that's going to put him there. It doesn't mean I don't, I don't promote my candidate and support him and encourage It doesn't mean any of that. But here's the bottom line. It's in the hand of God. And God has always used government to do one of two things. 
to bless a nation or to chasten a nation. I'm not going to get into politics this morning and tell you what I think is happening now, but here's the bottom line. You go throughout history. When Israel followed God, God used the government to encourage and bless them. And when Israel went against God, God used the government to make it difficult for them so they learned to appreciate what they had, and they ended up losing some of it. But here's the bottom line. God was the one who put those kings in place. God was the one who decided who was in charge. And so Solomon says, so look, you've got to step back and understand that. And then he goes on. He talks about this idea. He says, you know, look, it's just wise to obey the government. It's just smart. You go, whoa, 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 are you saying that we just do everything like blind little followers? <clears throat> Someone's going to address this in a minute. But to a degree, to a degree, Yeah. So he's saying we never, ever protest, we never, ever rebel, we never... He talked about this. He said, look, there's a time and a place. You just better make sure that it's God's plan, and it's God's time, and it's God's place. Go through your Bible. Think about it, because this is what Solomon says. He says, look, you don't know what God's doing at, at... You don't know what God is at work doing. You don't know the end. So be very careful about fighting something that you're not sure how it's going to turn out. Give you a great example. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I like their Jewish names, not their pagan names. So, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah bow down. When the king blows the trumpet, bow down. What do they do? Not doing it, king. Can't do that. We'll throw you in the furnace. Okay. Hey, we're going to give you one more shot. No, you just you don't need to give us another shot. Go ahead if you want to, but you know what? Throw us in. They, stand, they don't fight the change. They don't fight being bound. They don't fight any of it. They let them throw them in. Why? Because God's at work here. And you know what? You have to listen very carefully to what they said. They said, we don't know if our God will deliver us or not. You might throw us in and we burn all up, and that's okay with us. We just can't do this. And they throw them in. And you know the story. They come out alive without even the smell of smoke. And a whole bunch of people turned to their God. Daniel, in the lion's den. The king loses more sleep that night than Daniel. He's a, he sleeps all night in the lion's den. The king loses sleep all night, runs to the, runs to the cave the next morning to see what happened. And, and, and Daniel even, I love the way the text reads, because Daniel even looks like he waits for a little bit before he says, hey, king, I'm okay. He lets him sweat out just a little longer. Um... And then the king's like, great, get him out of there. You guys, it was your deal, boom, you're in. The Bible says they didn't even hit the ground before the lions consumed them. Paul. Paul was beaten as a Roman citizen. Now, you need to understand that beating in this culture in this time was not like, you know, a little paddling. I mean, this was, this was brutal. Paul was a Roman citizen. By law, there's no way they could beat him without going through Rome first. They were risking their own lives, but they didn't know he was a Roman citizen. At any time, all Paul had to do was go, hey, guys, here's, check my driver's license. It says Roman citizen on it. And it would have ended. What did Paul do? He allowed them to beat him. He allows them to throw him in jail. Then he goes, hey, by the way, boys, uh, I forgot to tell you. I'm a Roman. He allows the government, he allows the government to go too far 
in order for God to do something great. And he goes out of that town with the government going, this guy's great, this guy's okay, anything this guy says is all right with us. We, 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 you know. Why? Because God was at work doing stuff. That's what Solomon is talking about here. Look, we don't know. So we have to, this is a very fine line to walk. And that's what he's saying. And Solomon's saying, you've got to be careful here. Because, and, and he even talks about war, that there's times that, look, you're going to be called to war. You might even lose your life. But you know what? That's part of supporting the country that God has put you in and put authority over you in. Now, I know exactly what you're thinking. You think the same thing that I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the government abuses you. The government abuses it. You know, the taxes we pay, this, dee, 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 dee. Fortunately, he keeps covering that. Going on. Notice what he says. Uh, let's see, verse uh, 12. Although a sinner commits a crime a hundred times and prolongs his life, yet I also know that it'll go well with God-fearing people, for they're reverent before him. So he says, look, I, I understand that, that people get away with stuff. I understand that, that the government can be bad. Um, he said, I, I, I get that. And then, he's, then he goes on to say, but he says, you've got to realize, the reason it's bad is because it's just messed up down here. This is just a mess. And notice what he goes on to say. He says, for they're reverent before him. However, I will, it will not go well with the wicked, and they will not lengthen their days like a shadow, for they are not reverent before him. There's a futility that's done on this earth. There are righteous people who get what actions, get, who get what the actions of the wicked deserve, and there are right, wicked people who get the actions of the righteous. He said, I futile. He says, I look at life, and I look at it, and I go, you know what? This is all messed up, because there's good people that are getting punished, and there's bad people that are getting rewarded. There are good people who go to a job, who pay health insurance, that do all of this stuff, and they're working hard, and they're sacrificing and everything else, and they're struggling. Meanwhile, there are other people who don't do anything but run the system, and they're eating better than those people. And they have better health care than those people. And they have better this than that. Psalm says, I get that it's messed up. No problem. I get that. But, here's, here's, here's where he's coming at from this thing. You've got to realize, the final chapter hasn't been written yet. I think that's what we forget sometimes. I think that we forget sometimes that the final chapter is not written. So, we look at it and we go, well, yeah, but the wicked are prospering. Under the sun, here they are. But there is a God who is a God who will make everything right. There's a God who takes care of that. There's a God who's patient. There's a God who is long-suffering. There's a God who's going to give them every chance to get right. But when they lose, when they leave this world, believe me, and then the last chapter is written, it will not be that way. And Solomon says, look, be really careful here because you've got to realize God's still at work here and it's easy for us. He, he says, look, I get that it's all messed up, fine. But then he comes down to the last part of it and look at what he says in verse 15. Because <clears throat> he helps us get a little bit of a focus and perspective. So I, commend, so I commanded enjoyment. There's nothing better than man under the sun except to eat, drink, and enjoy himself for this will accompany him in his labor during the years of his days that God gives him under the sun. Basically, here's what he's stepping back and saying, saying, look, if you want to, you can spend all your time focusing on that. 
and how hard you're working and how unfair it is and how messed up it all is. He says, you can go and do that. And at the end, what are you going to get? What are you going to have after you have vented and yelled and hollered and screamed and written and done all of that? And he says, after you've done all of that, at the end of it, what do you got? He says, here's another better approach. He said, your focus is really important. You know what? Take what you have been given from God, appreciate it, enjoy it, embrace it. Yeah, I can sit here and go, how come I'm working so hard and I'm struggling? But you know what I happen to know? I happen to know that when I put my head on my pillow at night, there's a sense of self-worth for the fact that I've worked hard all day. That other person doesn't have that. Yeah, but they're just using it. Okay, focus on them. At the end of the day, I hope you feel better. But my experience has been, if you want to focus on that, you're just going to get angry. And that anger is not going to, that anger is not going to drive peace and enjoyment and stuff like that. You go, well, you, don't, you know all the things that I'm paying my taxes for, and they're going to this and this and this and this. Okay, okay, look, look, great. Focus on that. Focus on that. Or focus on the fact that when you get in your car and you drive down the road, it's asphalt. Because I've been onto the roads in P&G. <laughs> you know, a 20-mile trip takes you like three and four hours because you can't drive fast on the roads because you don't know what's next. You don't know. You know, you go, oh, you know, you know I can't believe all these speed. You know, I, 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 I would love to see a country. I, I would love to live on the Autobahn, okay? I think that all roads should be like the Autobahn, okay? That there are no speed limits. It's as fast as your vehicle goes, okay? I, I just think that would be a utopia world for me. But um, it's not. But those limits are put there for my safety and for the safety of other people because although I might think I could take that turn at 75, the engineers designed it so you cannot take it at 75. And so, again, it's there for my safety. It's there for my protection. You know, I love the fact when my kids went in the military, I felt so much better about my taxes because I'm like, I'm paying their salary. I don't mind paying their salary. Now, i I also call them up and go, why, are you, why do you have a day off? Um, I'm paying for that. Uh, I remind them of that kind of stuff. But like I say, it's all your focus. And that's what Solomon says. He goes, look, look, why are you going to get all bent out of shape on all that stuff? Enjoy the life that you have. And he goes on. He says, when I apply my mind to know wisdom and observe the activity that's done on the earth, even though one's eyes do not close in sleep day or night, um, is there another one? Keep going. What's the next verse? Is that it? Nope. Nope. There we go. I observed all the work of God and concluded that man is unable to discover the work that is done under the sun. Even though a man labors hard to explore it, he cannot find it. Even the wise man claims to know it. He's unable to discover it. Solomon said, you know what? When I look at the craziness that's going on in this world and I try to understand it, he said, I can't. He said, it don't make any sense. He says, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. I'm going to focus on what I have. And, and, and I think that's my challenge. 
I think that's the, that's the place that we need to go. So a couple of takeaways for us and as we wrap it up. Look, government is from God. Do I like the way the country's headed? Nope. Would I do it differently? Yep. Am I going to do everything in my power to get people who will help me get it done differently? Yep. Am I going to get all angry and lose sleep over it and let it affect the incredible life that I have from God? Nope. Am I going to let it bend me out of shape so that my day is affected with my wife and my kids and my friends and everything else? Nope. Why? I have a little phrase I've started using more and more and more. Not my circus, not my monkeys. God's in control of the government. It's his circus, and believe me, this really rings true here, and his monkeys. All right? Again, you know, I'm just saying that because, and again, I'm coming down that, I think so many times what happens is we get all bent out of shape over stuff that's not our circus and not our monkeys. Yeah, it impacts us, but we spend all of our time and energy focused on that, and we've got all of this stuff in front of us, and we don't enjoy it and appreciate it and value it. Are there things messed up in this country? Yeah. Solomon realized this thousands of years ago when he was the government. He realized how messed up this thing was. And his conclusion? Look, don't make that your focus. And it is easy when you turn on the TV and every single thing is about the election or who said what and who's talking about this and what this has happened in this and how did this thing turn out and what this thing is doing and where we should go here and why you should vote. You know, I was happy when the caucuses was over in Iowa. I thought it would end for a little while. How dumb was I? You know, because now we have Facebook, so all my friends are like, get out and vote, get out and vote. I'm like, we voted a long time ago. Shut up. I'm done. I don't want to hear any more of it. I will show up in November, okay? You know, I'm tired of hearing about it. But some of us have allowed it to affect our life. And if you want to live that way, it is your choice. But remember this. Government is in the hand of God. It's his circus. Okay? He's the one calling the shots here. Second thing is this. Make sure you're seeking the right things. And we started this passage off with the idea that Solomon started off down the wrong road. And that belief system helped him make some decisions and some outcomes about women and about relationships and about that because he was seeking after the wrong thing. Step back and ask yourself, if you're not, this is what we're going through in Sunday school right now. If you're not happy with the outcome, then step back and ask about the decision that got you to that outcome. But take it one step further and ask yourself about the belief that helped you make the decision that got you to the outcome. Because too many times what happens is we have people who are like, I'm not happy, and they go back and they change the decision but they never dealt with the belief, so therefore it, they keep repeating the same mistakes over and over and over again because there's a fundamental foundational belief that is helping them make those decisions. You've got to deal with the belief. 
And, and that is so important for us to understand is to step back and go, okay, what road am I on? Where is it going to end? Where is it going to end when you put all of your time, energy, and effort into your job? Your belief is that I've got to work hard in order to provide a living for my family, in order to be able to retire, in order to be able to do this, in order to be able to do that. Okay, now you're going to make decisions accordingly. And when the option is to make a little more money or to take that next promotion or to do this or to that, you're going to do that. And you think that by doing that, you can predict the outcome. Here's the big thing that you have not figured in. You don't know what you have tomorrow. And I can't tell you the number of people that I've watched that have sacrificed time with their family, time with their friends, time with other people, and they've invested in this decision to make more and more and more and more money in order to retire. And when they got to the day that they retired, they passed away with a heart attack within a year, and they left all of that to somebody else, and they didn't enjoy any of it. And I look at it, and I've told my wife over and over again, it will not be my story. It will not be my story. When you and I have an opportunity to do something, to enjoy life, to appreciate the time that we have together, we're going to embrace it now. We took our 25th wedding anniversary on our 21st anniversary, something like that. Yeah, here's why. She had saved up money to go on a cruise for our 25th. And we had enough money at like our 21st anniversary. I'm like, we're going 21st. I'm not waiting four years. Four years may not happen, baby. You've got the money now. We've got, we can take the cruise now. We're going on a cruise now. And, I mean, and honestly, this all happened. I'm sitting at my computer, and she's sitting in her chair, and we're talking back and forth. And she goes, and, and I go, you know, well, what do you think we're going to do for our 25th? What, is it our 21st or 20, something like that? Somewhere in there. So I said, what are we going to do for our 20th? Well, I'd like to go on a cruise. I said, that sounds great. She said, I've been setting aside money. What? How much do you have? And she told me. Next thing I know, I'm searching prices, man. And I looked at her and go, we got enough money to do it now. We're not waiting four years. We're going now. So we celebrate our 25th anniversary, our 21st anniversary, and then our 25th, we had to figure out something to do. Because um, we'd spent all the money on the 21st anniversary, but that's okay. We went. Why? Because you know what? Life is too short. And, and I, want, I just I want to challenge you because I see this over and over and over and over again. You've got to start seeking the right things. And you've got to be on the right path. You've got to step back and say, look, what road am I on here? And if I stay on this road, where does it end? And the last thing is this. Appreciate the day you have. Could the country be better? Yep. Do I wish we had different leaders? Yep. Do I wish we were in a different direction? Yep. Is my life, how is it you say that? What, you have that phrase, no good, terrible. Yeah, Alexander, the no good, terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And some of you live that day every day. Because you're not valuing and appreciating what you have. Every one of you were able to come into this building today. 
you were able to get here because you have a vehicle that got you here. You got, before you got here, you put on clothes, and everyone in here, I guarantee you, had to choose between what to wear because you had so many options. You actually had to choose which shoes to put on. You know? Every one of you in here ate something probably before you came here. Every one of you in here, every one of you in here had access this morning to clean water. Everyone in here had a roof over their head last night and a bed to sleep in. Help me again. Why is your life so bad? We have been given much. Let's stop being whiners. And let's learn to appreciate and value what we have. That's what Solomon said. He said, look, you can look at this messed up world and you can focus on it and it'll ruin you. But you know what you need to do? I, actually, I command you, is what he says, enjoy the day that you have. It is a gift from God. And I just want to remind us, because we have been given much. I end this way. If you focus on life under the sun, you'll become disillusioned and discouraged. But life here is but a small piece of your eternal life. Focus on how God is at work in your circumstances and situations. Apply God's wisdom, his principles, his teaching to your life. Appreciate the day you have. And realize there is life beyond the sun. So don't focus so much on life under the sun here. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Lord, it is so easy for us to be gripers and whiners and complainers. It is so easy, Lord, for us that have been given much to keep asking for more. Lord, at times we become like spoiled children who don't appreciate and value what they have been given. And Lord, we don't want to live like that. Lord, help us to take a look at the day, the week that we have in front of us, to value it, to appreciate it, to enjoy it, to see it, Lord, as an opportunity to share you with others. And as an opportunity, Lord, to really, really appreciate what we've been given. And Lord, the rest of it, Lord, we put in your hands. It, it's your issue, and Lord, just help us to be good stewards of what we have been given. And we will give you the honor and glory and the praise. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Um, let's stand.